Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back, Dunked On listeners. Of course, if you are a Dunked On Prime subscriber, you have been listening to all of our latest stuff, full rundowns over the last two days, over four hours of podcasting in total. But I thought we'd just take stock now with the offseason largely done. We will, of course, go through every transaction that happened today. But I think we should begin just with a general discussion here of our big winners and losers team-wise of the offseason and then the best and worst individual deals be they trades or free agent signings so i'll I'll leave it to you mr larue do you want to start with team winners and losers you want to talk individual deals first oh let's go with teams first and i i was just talking with with seth partno and about kind of and i was honing in on this idea which is the second tier title contenders i think the top of the second tier have gotten worse so that would be boston toronto maybe denver you know like that type of team i make an argument about miami yeah. but then the houston, Bo- houston houston i mean they're of course they're they're out of it anyway but well yeah. they're, they're worse right now and they'll probably be worse later um but then the kind of the bottom of the second tier those teams or argue you could argue the top of the third those teams got better so i think the second tier condensed so what i mean by that is like utah they improved you can argue about how like that they gave up too much to do it but they're better and dallas is better and some of the you know like the east i think is kind of congealing a little congealing a little bit so i I think that that is interesting i don't know i don't i don't think that's necessarily like a good or a bad thing but i I noticed that those were pulling in kind of opposite directions and pulling together yeah nothing seismic has happened i thought that maybe if the bucks could have done the bogdanovich deal then maybe they could have been the favorites now though with this pretty miserable bench that they filled out i don't think so perhaps there are more moves to be made maybe they can get contributors on the buyout market they can still potentially move to vincenzo but their bench is just atrocious right now which is the exact opposite of what it's been before so i expect them to take a certainly a step back in the regular season we'll see if drew holiday is enough i do think that you know it would have been nice to have that one more creator and obviously they're at a point now where an injury would be a major major problem for them um so i don't i think one of my biggest takeaways is I don't see a team winning 60 games this year or the 72 game equivalent of 60 games because the Bucks, are, I think, have taken enough of a step back now. And hey, we've seen that regular season success has gotten them absolutely nothing anyway. And then the Lakers, I and mean, they just won the championship. LeBron was kind of, I think, one of the impediments for even starting the season this early. You imagine that he and Anthony Davis are going to be taking it pretty darn easy. I think the Lakers did get a little bit better. We'll see how the Harrell thing affects them. And and what Gasol has left 
and how much Dennis Schroeder helps them. I mean, they are they are missing basically a wing guy that they had last year in Danny Green and haven't really replaced him. I guess Wes Matthews would be the guy there, but I don't think he's as good as Danny Green. But uh, the Lakers probably would be the favorite to me right now. Do you agree with that? Or do you well, like the Clippers? I, I think, I mean, granted, I was high on the Clippers before, um, but I, yeah. I, th- I I would right now I would pencil in the pencil in the Clippers because I think that what they did is shored up an important weakness, especially in terms of actually the closing five. So yes, Montrez Harrell was non-representatively bad during the bubble, including notably in the second round. But what Serge Ibaka gives the Clippers is an easy kind of a soft place to land. And so if we assume that in most series, especially when you consider the bigs that are around for the Lakers and some of the other teams. Kawhi, Paul George, Ibaka, and then kind of whatever guards shake out in the wash, and then presumably Marcus Morris. Like, that's a pretty potent group that's, the Lakers can counter. They're really, really good. The Bucks can counter. They're really, really good. But I, I I mean, it might just be me thinking the Clippers are better than other teams. I'll be believing in their talent too much, but they would, I I think I would, I'd, I'd have to game out whether I think, I think they're the most likely champion, but I'll say this, knowing what we know right now, I think they're the best playoff team. So I'll leave it there. Yeah, and getting another big to go up against Anthony Davis and go up against Nikola Jokic I think it is very useful to them uh and there's thought that hey they needed a point guard does Luke Kennard give them enough playmaking they still have Lou Williams as well I mean both of those guys I think neither of them honestly should be in the closing five I think it should be Beverly but we'll see whether Beverly can stay healthy and how many minutes he can play um and I also like Ibaka to give them a stretch element that can also give them some rim protection and when they got out there with a stretch five the few times that they actually played that way they were absolutely unstoppable offensively and so I I think that's but so much of this also I think I don't know that any team did so much that you're like oh man I am wowed by this I think I think the Clippers they looked like they're in big trouble the fact that they got Ibaka saved everything yes for them, and who knows maybe maybe they knew they were getting him the whole time uh it seemed like they were just done with with Montrose Harrell Ibaka by the way signing on a two-year deal one plus one at the mid-level so two years 19 million dollars and so he probably won't start for them they'll still be Zubots but uh to have depth at that position is definitely useful and they'll still sign I think one more veteran ball handler but you know I certainly would like like uh Shez Napier for them for example or maybe even Reggie Jackson could come back um but you know I don't think that player would figure too much in their playoffs and but I think it really it's just going to come down to between the Bucks and the Lakers and the Clippers all of them seem to have enough around their main guys that I think it'll just come down to which of the stars play better and, and who's the healthiest yes yeah which is obviously a big component of which of the stars are going to play better like if Paul George is going to be the 20th best player in basketball no the Clippers are not the championship favorite any longer if Kawhi Leonard is going to melt down and shoot four or 14 in a game seven yeah the Clippers are, are not the best right so I mean I think the LeBron AD duo looks the best still and so that's probably why the Lakers still need to be the favorites I would say that's fair um so in terms of teams though I mean I think the Bucks are now now this is a a good question here because KP wrote a piece on this of looking at the top eight teams from the bubble and which of them got better and the question of whether the Bucks got better in the end is a really interesting one for me because Drew Holiday is certainly a better talent than anyone they sent out and you know that we're usually all about the top end talent on this show but man they just gave up so much 
quality depth. I mean, if they just still had Marvin Williams, even I would feel a little bit better about it, but he's retired now. Maybe they could convince him to come back on a buyout at the end. And they certainly, you would think, would have one of the better buyout appeals because they have plenty of playing time to offer on, on a good team I and mean, basically rotation spots and maybe even a starting position um and we'll see whether divincenzo has any trade value the bucks basically have nothing left to trade other than divincenzo and possibly some cash at this point um but i mean so so you know trying to forget about the bogdanovich fiasco i mean i guess you still would have to say that they're big losers though because Giannis hasn't signed the supermax and i i mean i don't think he's going to i don't like after after what happened here with bogdanovich it's kind of hard to definitely to draw a line in absentia but it does kind of feel like that way because you know Giannis hasn't said anything either way we don't have any indication but the longer it lags you know that's generally yeah. the way this goes is if there's any ambiguity and there is in this case then this isn't the anthony davis situation where it's just yeah. we know we know what's happening we're just waiting on it and well so- i'll tell you what we're not hearing oh they're so optimistic that he's gonna sign it we're not hearing that shit anymore are we we are not hearing that anymore uh so and, and so for in terms of the question of whether the bucks got better or worse i would say preliminarily for right now they got worse and a big part of why is the lack of options that they have so could think about last year's team and this is something i fixated on before the offseason started was i thought that they were gonna have a real problem replacing both marvin williams and Wes matthews because if matthews came back then and you have to use a lot of resources to get that kind of versatile forward. Now, Tory Craig helps, and we'll talk about the signing there a little bit, but he's not as good as the players that they lost. So to me, it, you're relying a lot on everybody of their like starting five not only being healthy but also living up to it and if any one of them falters there's yeah. nowhere else for them to go right right what what happens if drew holiday suffers a significant injury before the trade deadline and he's not gonna be able to come back or, by the or what if divincenzo just isn't quite as good it doesn't yeah. have to be anything massive it doesn't have to be major injury. what if brooke lopez looks a little bit older and the jump shot that he showed last year just isn't quite you know that's that's more just it it was a little bit miragey but before or he's just not he's not as amazing as he was two three years ago at that specific thing yeah it doesn't I mean, maybe maybe they could look to move lopez that that might be another thought is that they could just try try to move him to say like a team like the pelicans or something hey maybe they could get george hill for uh for Brooke but lopez. then they need but uh, then, then then they need to <laughs> fill that spot and that's not an easy i guess george hill george hill is a uh is a thunder now i'm sorry yeah. but yeah but but what yeah. I, but what i'm saying is like okay if you trade Brooke lopez if you trade dante divincenzo then you need to functionally replace them within the closing five and that's really hard to do well and also i just don't think that this team has like a lot of vision um but but here's what i this is what i was saying we'll put a pin on this for later but they've traded away all of these first rounders right Uh, already these swaps all that they made their 2022 pick unprotected and then they got three other unprotected picks out there as well absolutely insane if it looks like they're just not going to be a championship contender this year for whether it's injury or what does the fact that they've traded away so much in 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 particular unprotected picks would that make them more willing to move Giannis at the deadline to a team that would want to re-sign him and try to get a king's ransom I mean really the only team that really I think would have a great package where he would realistically want to re-sign would be Golden State so well or Miami maybe if they included you know hero and a few other guys yeah although miami kind of has the like unless Giannis were like i am going to re-sign there they've also got the well we could just sign him in free agency thing 
as well. If well, they the, know count, the counter to that, though, is that you're, you tr- you're trading for him. This is sort of the Kevin Durant theory. You're trading for him so that nobody else can have him. Like, you- so I don't, I don't think that the Bucks would do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's obviously, that's a good point, too. You wouldn't want him to go somewhere else and have him fall in love somewhere else. But um, And also just the price for superstars, even later in their contracts, has been going way up. So maybe maybe the Bucks could still get the Godfather offer there anyway. But um, so I think ultimately, if he doesn't sign... And when they had it in their grasp, it seemed like to get him to sign with this Bogdanovich thing. That's, uh, they obviously have to be big losers. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since 
spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finisher code cap space at checkout you remember we talk about cap space all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us who else do you see as a big winner here so far the free agent are we talking about teams um <laughs> yeah i was gonna yeah. say like almost every free agent um i think the hawks got a lot better now we can argue about the efficiency of how they did so yeah. and some and, of the and as of this recording by the way we do not know whether sacramento is going to match that four-year 72 not 73 damn it should have been <laughs> 73 four-year 72 million dollar offer sheet to bogdan bogdanovich uh the the reporting is that they would not have made the offer sheet unless they were very confident yeah so i would say like the hot they just added a lot of talent and i think that and they shored up some of their weak points i mean the non-trey young minutes being a disaster hopefully that will be a lot better and there will be some real pain involved in this just because they have they have kind of too many guys for the slots that are available but adding a lot of talent is is important and i think that it makes them it makes them a more balanced viable playoff team and that might be low that might be low praise but i think that's i think that's valuable yeah i mean if you want to say what one individual player who's a loser is john collins he was thought he was going into this offseason demanding a max ascension and now he basically need his agent needs to find him a trade destination where he can play and for a team that wants to pay him it seems like and i don't know if that team exists that that'll be something to talk about a, a little bit more as, as we go through this I, uh, i've got another yeah, winner so, for i've got another winner for you yeah they're not getting talked about a lot because they didn't do a ton in free agency but the dallas mavericks i think that josh richardson makes a lot of sense there they you know they short up losing seth curry hurts but i think they're better at finding seth curry's than they are finding josh richardson's and yeah they might have re re-signed one for i mean he's not quite the shooter but he's also you know one of these small guards who just is turbocharged with carlisle's system so i think i think that's going to help a lot they i, I still think the Collie stein theory might work even though it really didn't in practice last year uh and there i think they're yeah the Collie stein by the way uh two years eight million second year team option yeah so i i think that they'll be they'll be better also just passage of time they're broadly a young team they're not super young because they have a lot of guys and they're they short up some of their depth they have more versatility i would say now i think that's i think that's beneficial too and if you know i like Darrell wright but if he wasn't really going to play that much for them then that's not a huge loss either delon wright delon wright god i'm i'm gonna get that wrong for his entire career Uh, well you you, because you you had Darrell wright in your formative days in golden state that's why well and not only that but like I think he was he was like I in college and everything or like he was growing up in in LA when I was living there too like I think I watched him in high school or something so like i was around um anyway uh but so like i think dallas got better i don't think they got immensely better but yeah. also dallas benefits from the teams kind of around them getting worse you know like denver potentially taking a little bit of a step back houston maybe taking all the steps back and that clay thompson tearing his achilles claire thompson carrying his achilles so i mean the thing, it could work out for dallas to to really push forward and if you consider that they yeah. they were sixth in cleaning the glasses version of net rating despite having a below average defense that you know you you could be 
thinking about a team that is more competitive for a high seed than some yeah, i don't they won't be quite as good offensively i don't think next year particularly with porzingis probably missing the start of the year but i i do agree with you i think they'll be better and tougher in the playoffs and i think between you know richardson and maxi kleba that those aren't like two terrible guys to guard paul george and Kawhi leonard um so yeah I, I agree with you on dallas certainly the oklahoma city thunder yes. i mean they have like not only are they benefiting from the commitment to tear down but they are benefiting from just tireless work in the course of that commitment you know this isn't just like okay hey we'll uh yeah we'll take on your bad money 20 million dollars give us the first round pick all right we're done we'll we'll see you next year this is and, and now a lot of bad teams don't have the assets that sam presti started off with but to get a first rounder for shooter a first rounder for steven adams a first rounder for chris paul now as well and a bunch of seconds and then to also get these guys that they flipped to then flip again for more value it's probably going to happen with george hill again as well the only trade i would say that presti didn't really get what i would consider to be better value than i would have expected was the horford for green and i still think that was that was worth doing you know for the reasons that we we argued about that a little bit on on draft night but i still think that that was worth doing because i mean they they've they've got still cap space coming out their ears and so you might as well use it to get the first rounder even if and that one's a little bit more premium too it's the protections are lower on it so it, rather than being lottery protected another important winner the portland trailblazer i mean they didn't yeah. have to give up a lot to add real depth to their front court and they're they're not a perfect team to be sure but they're a lot deeper and i think that'll be valuable and they can you know and and they can also you know kind of like i talked about a little bit with atlanta sort out the rotational but I'm not, I'm not thinking they can get a ton of value like in trades and stuff and i wish they added a little bit more depth to the guard rotation but if the, if they ha, like they have options and so if this ends up working you know like if they can figure out a defensive lineup that actually can hold things down and lillard is great again then you know even if it's league average or a little bit a little bit beyond that then they're a potent team well and the phoenix suns uh, as well or another i mean like it wouldn't it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that the phoenix suns could be in the mix for home court advantage in the west this year i don't i'm not going to pick them for that in all likelihood because i just i need to see what this team looks like and i need to see where deandre ayton is at defensively in particular but i i like they're another team that yeah they might have overpaid technically a little bit for chris paul but they've and the jalen smith thing we'll see how that works out you know i was talking to someone in their organization today who was saying they they really believe in him they think that he's more mobile than people are giving him credit for and, and a better shooter so uh but you know he's not gonna be a major part of their rotation anyway this year and so they certainly have to be a winner crowder that's that was a, a good signing they got javon carter back even each one more who they got today is pretty good um yeah any charlotte is interesting because they did get lamella ball they got the best guy in the draft we thought at three and i think that's still more important than the fact that they did this weird hayward thing and they'll at least be a little bit bit better i just would have hoped that they would be gunning for the bottom of the draft again and not that doesn't preclude them from getting there but you know if they're the 11th best team in the east and they get the number nine pick this year because they signed gordon hayward and they could have been right around a top five pick i mean they probably would have been one of the top three worst teams if they just don't sign hayward which i think would be a pretty good place to be in this 2021 draft um so i mean ultimately i think they are winners but they could have been big winners and now they're, maybe they're not as much after this hayward thing plus of course the batum stretch functionally paying gordon hayward 39 million a year stings stings even more but you're right on the 
LaMelo thing. And now he has to actually pan out, and, and that but that, and that is an important caveat to make. And I also didn't love what they did in the second round of the draft. But stars are what are most important, and LaMelo Ball has the best star potential in this draft. And I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that really pops. No, I wouldn't say so. Um, you know, Utah, I think, did okay uh, just to bring bring their guys back. They got favors. They have a nice rotation. They got better. I, I will say I'm pleased that the Knicks didn't do terribly. <laughs> But that's different. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk more about them with some, some of the moves that they made later on today. But uh, in terms of losers, clearly, I think I mean, the Golden State Warriors, through no fault of their own, I think are, are losers just because of Clay Thompson. And also, I think they picked the wrong guy at two. But we'll see. You know, the, everybody, everybody there loves James Wiseman, and you know, if he works out great, he's going to get chances here, given what this roster looks like. I mean, I thought the Warriors have had other than the Wiseman pick have had a great offseason with what they're willing to spend and some of the guys that they got. I mean, they the Thompson thing is such a bummer because they really could have been right there, I think, if you know he were healthy. And, of course, Steph and Draymond would have to be good too. So that, there's a lot of caveats there. The stars would still have to come through. But I think they've done a really nice job of building around those guys with the, the Bazemore signing for the minimum today as well. And some of the guys that they were able to find last year I think can still contribute. Um, but other losers, I mean, obviously the Detroit Pistons have got to be in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, they spent a lot of a lot of like misguided money for a team that isn't going to be insanely good and i think that is a yeah. that is a real a real a real frustration and the idea that i kind of talked about a little bit on saturday's podcast of thinking about your young core and where are they where are they going to go and then kind of waiting to time your big expenditures for that moment and that's a kind of a, a, a temper in terms of judging it and then something else is the idea that one of the breaks within your front office should be if we have to do a significant wave and stretch is what we're is is the player we're doing it for worth it and deadman isn't batoon for for many reasons but it still is just the idea of should you be thinking about again like is this the kind of overall spending that we should be doing right now and a little bit of breaking would have been good for them well here's the other thing too they could have done everything that they wanted to do with the cap space they had at the start here i mean they probably they even probably could have done it once they made the Ariza deal it's it's just that and if they had flipped him for right they would have had plenty of money to pay jeremy grant so really what they did did the stretch for and they actually acquired zaire smith and they're apparently going to stretch him too they did that to get mason plumley they didn't even yeah. do that to get to uh to get jeremy grant they could have done that anyway yeah and the the process behind like so detroit put all this into all this money into their team and the group that they have is not particularly inspiring as a collective now we're you know moving forward unless killian hayes is awesome and you already had killian hayes that 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 stuff doesn't necessarily tie in like their defensive philosophy their defensive theory i mean maybe Dwayne casey can get them to defend above their talent level but their talent level isn't good on that end and then they you know and then they don't really have a ton in the way of just like an offense an offensive engine now blake griffin can if he's healthy can can really help things but it's going to be it's going to be a real challenge for them yeah the boston celtics losing gordon hayward for nothing was definitely a problem and i think uh you know who who knows whether he would have stayed i i if if it came down to them just offering him the same contract as charlotte i understand why they didn't do that i don't i think that would not have been a smart move and i think they should have taken the sign and trade offer from indiana uh, from everything that 
that we've seen in the reporting and and i've heard that those offers were real and they just decided not to do them uh and so then they ended up losing him for nothing they recover with uh tristan thompson who's okay we'll see he had a nice year last year but we'll see where he's at at age 30 now and i think the pels were losers if they get Kyra Lewis and Kyra Lewis turns out to be good at 13 then that can erase that but I think to give up the first to get Steven Adams and and with his limited offensive fit next to Zion Williamson is a concern for me and interesting that Brandon Ingram hasn't been announced yet I I'm not sure what the holdup is there I don't think the negotiations are going like that poorly because if they were we would have heard the saber rattling of oh he's got other offers like xyz teams are interested in restricted free agent Brandon Ingram so they haven't gotten that right yet so I, I I'm sure that will get done but and I think also what may be complicating things too is the player options given to Jason Tatum another big reason why the Celtics were lose that's probably the big maybe even more so than Gordon Hayward leaving that makes the Celtics losers and same thing with uh Donovan Mitchell with Utah get, get, getting uh player options I mean if you need to have an understanding of why that player option is so big look no further than the man who's about to finish a four-year deal Giannis Antetokounmpo did not get the fifth year and look no further than the NBA champions that you just saw oh and not only the NBA champions that you just saw but the team that they played in the NBA finals Jimmy Butler got a player option on the fifth year of his second contract Anthony Davis got a player option on the fifth year of his second contract and those guys both uh, were able to leave their original homes as a result of that and end up being on, on far better teams so remember this when you look back on you know if, if Jason Tatum and things have run their course in Boston or Donovan Mitchell in Utah and wonder like uh, how it was that those guys got player options yeah and Utah should know plenty about contracts being shorter than they need to be after the Gordon Hayward situation yeah that's another one too and I just like that one I think it looked like things were really trending in the direction of just being five-year deals since Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving there really hadn't been player options given out on designated player rookie extensions that five-year deal as an extension not as a restricted free agent you are paying the, the guy early and particularly also given what the criteria is like jason tatum he gets 30 percent max even if he makes third team all nba I, i'm not sure exactly what the criteria are on mitchell but there's some criteria as well and so it looks like the team's lost on that and they lost on the player option as well where ben simmons didn't get one devin booker didn't get one carl towns didn't get one now carl towns it took him they had to have a little bit of pain there it took him almost all the way to the beginning of the season to sign it uh damian lillard didn't get one even though he was an, an immediate one so even guys that i think certainly guys who had more profile than mitchell did not get the player option tatum maybe you can say well he's the the best rookie extension candidate since ad because Giannis wasn't quite Giannis at the time he was getting his extension yeah, not the same after. guy that we have now but yeah i i think uh it's very surprising to me and particularly surprising to me that a day and a half essentially into free agency you're agreeing on that it seemed like just the press conference aspect of it was really big here and to not having being willing to have it drag out maybe it's the fact that the deadline is much sooner than it would be you know you you can't just kind of be like oh hey we've just got the summer when no one's paying attention for two months and you know nobody's going to care if he hasn't signed yet now it's you know there's a lot of attention on this and then we're going to go right into preseason and there could be questions about it so maybe 
that was part of this but i'm i'll tell you what like the idea of oh man we can't piss him off and we have to give him whatever he wants so he gets the player option well I think I'd much rather have him be a little bit more pissed off, but under contract can, for can another I, can year. Can I pick another winner here? Yeah. Luka Doncic. Yeah, he'll, he, he's going to get... And, and I think a big loser is all of these teams now that have these players, particularly small market teams, and frankly, particularly teams that aren't that good or well-managed. You know, like, um, I, I, not that Memphis has been poorly managed the last couple of years, but Memphis, for example, or New Orleans with Zion Williamson. Now, if the precedent is back that you get this player option... That's, that's one that's fewer year of team control teams yeah now it's great for yeah, the players we'll and i love yeah. i love seeing guys i i you know i i like seeing guys have control of their futures but from a team perspective yeah it's a real challenge yeah i mean for for me as a fan of basketball i would rather see good players be on good teams i don't want to see anthony davis stuck in new orleans winning 39 and a half games every year like i want to I, i'm glad that he made it to la so we got to see him on basketball's biggest stage so i i'm not complaining but i'm it also is a surprise to me i think they could have both the celtics and the jazz could have done a better job there um any other like big the toronto raptors i mean losing oh, Gasol soul yeah. and ibaka is a problem yeah they're they're taking a step back and they replaced those guys with aaron baines and chris boucher we'll talk about that a little bit later but that's yeah. a and, and they down. and they made the decision that they were not going to go into 2021 i would assume they offered ibaka something like 15 million or something um maybe i, I don't know if they went like as high as like 20 or, or or something like that but um they made that decision but it would have been nice to keep gasol and ibaka so you could be good this year and be more attractive to potential free agents in the summer of 2021 but um certainly their actions and the heat and the mavericks would indicate that the Giannis sweepstakes is still quite open well and to me the most salient dynamic of that is first of all we saw those teams behave as if 2021 matters and that is an indicator that it does because you assume not necessarily even from a tampering perspective but just practicality and something that i've been thinking about a fair amount i you know i've written about the idea that one of the striking elements of 2021 is that all of these players have a pretty good reason to stay where they are not that they will but they like they're on good teams they're on teams that we expect to be competitive moving forward so what that means is there are going to be some really awkward people standing up without a chair when the music stops and I think that's the other the other kind of you could argue it's a winner or a loser here is 2021 variance because there is a real opportunity cost for the Mavericks, for the Raptors, for the Heat of keeping that powder dry. You know, Dallas could have used their mid-level and gotten somebody better than the players that they have. M- Miami could have structured things very differently for, uh, I, and I think that would have would have helped them. Yeah. They could have kept Jay Crowder. They could have done. Uh, they would have had Danilo Gallinari before if, if they had been if they had been willing to do it in Toronto. There are lots of different examples there, and it may pay off for one of them. It may pay off for yeah. none of them. And, uh, and that's yeah. crazy it's wild I, I mean miami miami could have signed gordon hayward this year if they had wanted to as well I, i'm sure i'm sure he would have preferred to go to miami over charlotte and he was willing to take four years 100 million it sounded like with indiana and so i'm sure he would have rather gone to my miami where he had a free agent meeting three years ago uh, as well so yeah you're right i mean this is you make a great point here that these teams are making some very big bets and yes okay the opportunity costs well i, I mean another one too would be miami not getting in the mix for drew holiday in a trade for example like that's that's another one um and maybe some of these teams will not try for james harden as well because they are going for Giannis. it's like hey guys at most you have you would think a 33 percent chance like 
uh or or if you think you have higher than a 33 percent chance some of you are wrong <laughs> yeah that's true and also because the consolation prizes in 2021 could exist but they might be a lot weaker and they don't always fit everywhere now i think if drew holiday is available and there's no guarantee that he will be that he would be a nice consolation prize for dallas or for miami depending on how things get structured and who they're bringing back but there aren't many more of those but oladipo might be one but we don't know what he's going to play like and the other star level guys you know lebron's going to potentially be a free agent that year Kawhi and paul george like do we think that any of them are changing they might it's entirely possible but it might be a really an all-or-nothing proposition for a couple of different franchises and it, it could be an all-or-nothing proposition that wipes away tomorrow yeah how that would actually be pretty funny I, like if you were Giannis and you wanted to win the championship this year it would be a pretty and you knew you were staying with the bucks it would be a pretty smart move to just mislead all three of these teams especially two of them who are contenders in your own conference one of whom just beat you into not doing anything with their 2021 space thinking you might go there and then you sign the supermax and oh shit miami like could have done all these moves and they couldn't like you by waiting even this long now yeah, that, and just like, and, be, and it could be like, oh, I was just in Greece for a couple days. <laughs> you know, like, that would be some pretty four dimensional chess right there. If he ends up signing the Supermax, I mean, that would be, that would be pretty funny if Toronto and Miami just like let a ton of opportunities go by. Um, okay, that that's probably enough on that, unless you have any other uh, losers that you really want to hit on here. No, I think that's good. Yeah, I, like there, there are definitely a lot of mild winners. Philly, we probably should have mentioned too. I think they did. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well here. But we will have okay, we'll so, plenty so, of time to talk yeah. in off-season grades and stuff too. All right. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. So let's get through the rest of these moves here atlanta i think we hit on it with bogdanovich and what his his fit is going to be there uh, on dunked on prime but let, well, let's night. do the, let's do the terms though so we have it everything squared up yeah. bogdanovich signed an offer sheet with the atlanta hawks four years 72 million fourth year player option 15 percent trade kicker so the some of the standard offer sheet goodies that make it more painful for the team to match uh the kicker is paid by so if bogdanovich is traded the trade kicker is paid by the trading team and 
so theoretically, if Sacramento, if they keep yeah. him, if they want to do something, that makes it more expensive. And that all ties in with the uh, the input from Sam Amick that his sourced sense is that the Hawks wouldn't be doing this if they didn't feel very, very good about it. I think the Kings are torn on it, but, it, and, yeah. and I, that, I've said that I would match it if like. it were me. Yeah. If it were me, I would do it. I would match. Yeah, you know, and, and Sam had some further reporting just before he started recording today, and his thought is don't match if you still have Buddy Heald because then Buddy Heald is going to be upset. I don't find that to be like Buddy Heald is not good enough to for his being upset to matter. Like I, I think that's a lesson here is that when you're so overpaid that you don't have any trade value, you're being upset really probably shouldn't enter into anybody's calculations. But yeah, I agree with you. I think you might as well match. I mean, there's still the ideas we're going to rebuild around Deer and Fox with younger players but they also aren't necessarily empowered to tank. And then most troublingly, I think when they had the Bogdan deal initially I th- with Milwaukee and they're getting DiVincenzo, like, all right, this makes sense. This is a good move. Uh, you're, you're still keeping long-term salary open. They haven't you know, gone out and used their mid-level to try and get somebody. They got Halliburton, fell into their lap at 12, which was really good for them. So it seemed like they were kind of on the right track, but now this troubling reporting from Amick indicating that they may match, they may not. And, you know, it seems very clear to me that Monty McNair's preference is not to match. And, but they're, the way Amick put it is there are already questions about whether McNair is truly empowered and Vivek Ranadive and his son becoming more involved as well. And we'll see what they end up doing. But I think if they do end up matching this, I know you said that you would match, and I, I there are arguments for that to just not let the asset get away. They can afford to do it. Certainly, he apparently has trade value, although he now cannot be traded for one year without his consent. He probably would consent to get moved. To the box, I think so. Think. Well, although, who knows? Maybe he's just so pissed off at them about the way this all went down that he wouldn't want to go there. Um, and he cannot be traded to the Hawks, even with his consent, for a year as well, the Alan Crabb rule. Where do you want to go next here? Oh, let's we could we could kind of tidy up with some of the teams that we've talked about already, and I think place one of the places to go there is is Boston. And so we talked about it in the kind of the first segment, but Jason Tatum designate he designated a twenty five percent percent max extension as of now. Remember that while Jason Tatum was All NBA this year, that does not alone qualify. It doesn't really at all. It's not dispositive in terms of yeah. him qualifying for up to the thirty percent max. That is based on how he performs in. 2020 slash 21 however as you noted one of the striking parts about his contract the player option has been unusual in modern vintage but also that from the reporting from espn that if he gets any all nba team he gets 30 percent. and so wonderful negotiation by tatum's representation to get basically everything he could have possibly wanted a year early shifted a bunch of risk even though we think tatum's already been very good but it's still shifting risk to the Boston Celtics, and uh, so that a ni- nice piece of work by his by Tatum and his agent. Agreed uh, on all counts. The Celtics now they have 15 players. Uh, Javante Green is non guaranteed, and plenty of of spend uh, of room below the tax. They're only six million over the cap after we thought they were going to be insanely expensive this year that has turned out not to be the case when you lop off 34 million from gordon hayward's player option that's what tends to happen 
and uh, of course they did bring in Tristan Thompson they do, do still have their BAE as well if they wanted to use that but it seems like they are going to just roll into the season with this group and they certainly have some mid-sized salaries that they can trade now as well if need be that was one thing that they're missing right like now they could put together Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice and get up to like a 20 million dollar player if they so chose they also got Jeff Teague for the minimum. Yeah, we talked we talked about him yesterday. Oh yeah, that's right. That was that was right right as we were recording. And then so since we were already talking about Tatum, we could talk about Donovan Mitchell as well. He got the five year extension, has a player option. We do not know the kind of the all NBA elements there, but I also don't expect Donovan Mitchell to get all NBA. I'm not saying it won't happen, but he you know the guard line is just so challenging, and he would need to do a lot, and it's possible, but I, I wouldn't expect it. And remember that anybody technically is eligible to get the 25% max. It just has to be five years and there are limits on how many people can get it. But I, I would expect that that's going to be dispositive for Mitchell rather than the, you know, the 26% or 28 or anything like that. Yeah. And Ryan Smith, the the new owner, uh, he, they're almost certainly going to be in the tax this year. He's paying favors. They also paid 3.5 million to buy Elijah Hughes, the draft pick, their second rounder. And maybe just as a new owner, he's like, yes, I'm willing to pay. I'm going to be player friendly that's why you give the guy the player option it's like no the whole reason that you're player friendly is so that then you can get the guys to commit for longer like that's the whole that's <laughs> the whole point of that right like uh and mitchell again to me he's on the lower end of rookie extension candidates in terms of his leverage but perhaps another reason they wanted to kind of get this done was to get mitchell's pen to paper and then they also still have their next order of business is a rudy gobert extension you would think that with the moves that they have made here that would augur that they feel pretty good about a gobert extension but if they can't get something done with him that they like maybe that's part of the thinking in spending all this money on favors is that you do have a fallback option if gobert leaves in free agency in 2021 if you can't come up with an an extension and i will it's say an interesting idea uh, uh, yeah and I, I can't believe i didn't think of that before honestly but because uh, i was just kind of thinking like it just seemed like they're moving towards getting something done but i will say that gobert's ex-teammate gordon hayward getting 120 million when he basically hasn't played at all the last three years or played at anywhere close to an all-star level the last three years gobert is way better than him gobert is going to be only 29 next offseason younger than hayward now and he just got 120 million over four years I was thinking, you know, something along the lines of like 100 to 110 million guaranteed would be where I'd be comfortable for if I were the Jazz. But Rudy Gobert might see this market. We thought like the exact opposite has happened. And we thought back when we were wrongly thinking that this was going to be a market where guys were going to get totally squeezed because there was no money until we realized that there are even fewer players than there uh, were dollars. We thought, oh, like guys are going to see this and they'll be gun shy and they'll extend for less. But the exact opposite seems to have happened now. Uh, and Hayward, to me, is going to be a huge touchstone for any free agent to be like, man, like, the, and now, you know, Mark Bartlestein is an is a absolute genius, but people see the number of teams out there next year. The pandemic apparently hasn't stopped anyone from spending. Gobert could be reassessing what he's willing to take at this point, and perhaps rightfully so. Absolutely. We can also, we, we've talked a little bit about Toronto. We can go through the actual terms there. So Aaron Baines signed, so after Marcus Gasol and Serge 
Serge Ibaka left for LA, the respective teams. Baines signed a two-year, $14.3 million deal with the Raptors. Second year there is a team option. And then Chris Boucher, former two-way player for them, signed a two-year, $13.5 million deal. And his second year is non-guaranteed. So that the difference between those two as a practical consideration is that a team option, you decline that and then you make them a free agent, but you they don't have to go through the waiver process. And, and then for Boucher, he would have to go through the waiver process. Now, I think that that's a lot of money for Chris Boucher. I think he could probably clear waivers if you want to bring him back, but it is a difference. So I wanted to mention it. Yeah, and the reason for that is, uh, as I'm sure the Milwaukee Bucks capologists could tell you, that because he had to sign with early bird rights, that must be at least a two-year contract. You can non-guarantee the second year, but doing uh, a 2-1 with the team option would not have been kosher with that early bird exception. And and without using that early bird exception, they would not be able to give him anywhere close to this type of money because they already used their mid-level on Bain. So uh, the Raptors... I think we're, what we're going to see from them is a lot of times closing games, particularly if they get in the playoffs, they'll go to that unit that closed games a lot in the Boston series with Pascal Siakam at center, OG, Norman Paul at the three, Lowry and Van Vliet together. Baines, him being really the only established center with size on the roster is a problem given that he's 34. He has really struggled to stay healthy with nagging injuries the last two years, probably only really should be playing about 20 minutes a game. Um, and Boucher is extremely painfully thin. He did fill in quite capably at backup center last year, but they are, are going to be a, they've traditionally been a poor defensive rebounding team and guys like Ananobi and Siakam are going to have to be a lot better in that area. They're going to get crushed on the boards, um, particularly when Baines is out of the game. But uh, they've recovered as well as could be hoped. Serge Ibaka taking his time to decide to put them in a little bit of a bind. Same with Marc Gasol. Um, and same same situation they're in last year with Kawhi Leonard, interestingly enough. I mean, they, they got to be having PTSD at this point with three free agents going to the LA teams in the last two years that were basically you know three of their eight best players. But they'll be okay as they always are, and they can always make a trade for a center if they need to during the season. I mean, they do have to be good this year, right? Like if they drop to forty-six wins, which is a total possibility this year now, that that doesn't look great for your Giannis pursuits, particularly when you're trying to compete with Miami and Dallas and Milwaukee, who I think all of those teams profile to be better than Toronto this year now. The other piece of business for the Raps, broken originally by Adam Schefter, which amused me. Um, he's actually actually a big NBA fan as well. Uh, DeAndre Bembry got a two-year minimum contract, second year non-guaranteed, and we'll see what he can do there. I mean, Masai Ujiri and their front office have rolled the dice on some of these some of these forwards thinking that it'll work. Didn't really in the Stanley Johnson case, but Bembry, you know, he he's, hasn't shown yeah. a ton in Atlanta. Well, we'll see. Yeah, so Toronto now still has their BAE available. They are at, looks like 13 players here. I imagine that they're going to want to bring up Paul Watson and they've got a little bit of their mid-level left to sign a, a rookie to a contract longer than one year they've got Jalen Harris I assume at uh, number 59 I assume he'll be one of their two-way guys and maybe they could bring back Rondé Hollis Jefferson as well if they need to for more space they could always waive Stanley Johnson 
They've also got Pat McCaw. They've got some kind of deadish roster spots here, and they've got their BAE and more minimums available. And I'm sorry, no, I misspoke. I don't have Bembry in there yet. So they're at 14 right now. So if I if I were them, I would sign Paul Watson. I think he's pretty good, uh, and to to be their 15th guy, and that's your team. They are but six million dollars below the tax right now. Actually, they'll be a little bit less once they get Bembry. They'll be about five million dollars below the tax. Let's talk about a very small trade that was made. Um, Philadelphia traded Zaire Smith, who you know really has had a star-crossed tenure with the 76ers, traded him for Tony Bradley, who is going to be presumably their third center behind both Joel Embiid and Dwight Howard. And Zaire Smith has already been waived and stretched, by, or will be purportedly, waived and stretched by the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, and I guess the Pistons needed to stretch him to fit in Grant and Plumlee. I think that's so they can keep Magruder. Oh, uh, yeah, with that having to stretch him maybe maybe that is what it is um yes it is what it is is a a pretty good thing to say about the pistons offseason and but good piece of business by the pistons they got a second rounder for taking on bradley and now they're getting a second rounder for moving bradley so like they've in between all this weird stuff that they've done they've actually like done some interesting stuff around the margins that has been pretty decent but do we know what second that is? I haven't seen that anymore. I haven't yet. seen you... it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And for Philly, getting Tony Bradley just gives them one more option as a traditional backup center. Dwight Howard is someone who hasn't exactly been totally injury free in his career, and Joel Embiid is going to miss games, so you you need a third center who's competent. And Bradley proved that he was that at least last year. And Bradley, if things go really well, you can give him a qualifying offer and make him a restricted free agent next summer, which looks like Zaire Smith. You're basically going to decline that for your option and let him go so that's another another benefit for them oh let's go through the the final terms of the four team trade that was the the steven adams drew holiday everyone else trade just to to, to put everything out there because and by the way we hit on the our majority of our thoughts yesterday on the the main part of it which is the steven adams to new orleans for george hill with uh for george hill and then also new orleans giving up a first that they got from denver and in 2023 that's lotto protected for three years and two seconds which we i think we both hated but there are some like interesting cap machinations around it required to make this what eventually became a four-team trade legal yeah and a big part of it the complication from new orleans is that might have been regarding stephen adams's trade bonus to make the math would have been much easier if he had waived his trade bonus adams did not hey if you could pull it off and, and do it more power to you and so the pelicans they needed to add money to the trade and so what we had kind of speculated and heard was that they were going to use Nicola Melli, but instead of using Melli, New Orleans signed and traded Josh Gray, Kenrick Williams, and Zylan Cheatham to, to make the to make the math work. They they the, were able. They to- also signed and traded uh, Keith Bogans and Keith Van Horn as well for this. Yes. And so they're yeah they're those are the force ghosts looking on this this trade with with approval. <laughs> And, and the rest of it is pretty much pretty much what we saw. And so now Oklahoma City is going to have to structure all this to make sure they don't have too many players at any given time. You're allowed 20 for the for the offseason, so they should be fine. Um, and maybe they're going to keep, I mean, Williams in particular, I think they could be be interested in keeping him as a part of the 15-man roster when the pig pen level of perpetual dust settles in Oklahoma City. Um, but I, I mean, this is a really good piece of business from their perspective, especially because George Hill is on a totally reasonable contract. Like they they did all of these different kind of like they were facilitated all 
all these different things, and they still have workable pieces there. And remember, they like they got James Johnson in the Ricky Rubio. They got Rubio and then moved him, and they got James Johnson and moved him. And so like all those different things that have happened. So I, I still am very impressed from his perspective. The other news for New Orleans is that they signed William and Gomez. I'm guessing it's one year at the minimum, and I guess they, you know, it's it's kind of funny to me that they did all of this stuff to make sure that they could keep Nicola Melli, and then they added another big man on top of everything else. But Hernan Gomez, presumably it's for the minimum, not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, Hernan Gomez is, a, I think, still a really nice offensive center, fell completely out of favor, even in Charlotte, due to his defense, which is an accomplishment but he's developed his stretch game he's a good rebounder and pick and roll player and passer he just can't defend to save his life offensively i think he's a totally solid fit with Zion williamson and just about as bad as it gets defensively and going back to the sign and trade this was just interesting for us cba dorks first time a two-way player has ever been involved in a sign and trade and they had to put in both of them because these guys both got over 120 percent raises new orleans was uh over the cap so there was base year compensation they only each counted at half of their new salaries so they had to put both Dylan Cheatham and Josh Gray into it along with Kenrick Williams who I think Oklahoma City should give a shot to he had his year wrecked by a back injury last year but and his shooting has been a problem but he plays hard he's he's a smart player someone who probably deserves to be in the nba cheatham and gray i i don't know much about uh cheatham is just kind of a jumping jack athlete type and gray i know literally nothing about at all so let's just take stock danny of who is on this oklahoma city team (laughs) what what is what what the hell is their rotation going to be right now because i mean they're probably it seems like although they oklahoma city still has a crap load in trade exceptions we'll have to see exactly how they structure this and how those shake out but they're going to have you know some huge trade exceptions probably some double digit trade exceptions or they I mean could they have a 14.4 from Ubre. yeah yeah and or they could just give themselves uh 14 million in cap space too if they wanted to renounce a, all of their exceptions as well they could even they could even like sign actual players now too if they wanted to some young young vets on the uh, for they've still got their mid-level exception are there <laughs> really good athletes or, they can't shoot that still available yeah well although maybe they won't do that as much now that troy weaver isn't there anymore um so here's who oklahoma city has your point guards these are the guys who i would just project to play we'll we'll do this or or maybe play or or are important at all for them shea gilgis alexander george hill ty jerome Teo Maladon, who they drafted number 34 overall and is coming over this year. Then on the wing, they got Lou Dort. Trevor Ariza is on this team. Darius Miller, the walking trade exception, got his contract guaranteed for $7 million, so he could be in this trade. Then they've got a, at the power forward position. Well, I would add Hamadou Diallo there. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I, I, I actually and skipped And maybe him. Justin you. Jackson? Oh, yeah. Justin Jackson, too. Yeah, but I, he's kind of more flotsamy than someone who might actually, like, yeah, that's either right. be someone they could trade or, or or in their rotation. I mean, he'll probably be in their rotation, but I don't think he's like part of their plans necessarily. And then at the four, Kenrick Williams. Darius Baisley. Darius Baisley. I mean, to me, he should probably start at the four and Al Horford is probably going to start at the five. I and mean, it's not, it's still not such a bad team. Like Shea, Shea at the one, George Hill at the two, Ariza at the three. Okay, I have I have a question for you. Oklahoma Baisley City roster four, as it stands right now plays a seven game series against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Who wins? Oh God, I can't even do this yet. <laughs> I, I mean, I think probably the Wolves, but I think it's OKC. Okay, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they got George Hill coming off the bench. Um, yeah, I, I we have no idea whether who has the coaching advantage. Danny, what is the name of the Oklahoma City Thunder's coach? Are you going to make top me, of your head? No cheating. Are you going to 
going to make me pronounce it. It's Mark Daniel, but I'm I trying to remember how he pronounces it. I think I think he pronounces it Dagnall. Dagnall, yeah. Dagnall. It might be Dagnall. I think actually. it's Dagnall. I couldn't remember his first name. I remember the last name. I mean, I between having him and Lou Dort in the same organization is just going to murder my French-Canadian brain. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I think their rotation is probably, you know, of guys that I didn't mention in the starting lineup. Then, you know, Mike Moscala is still here. He exercises player option. Uh, Alexei Pokusevsky, I think they're going to at least give him some hits. Uh, Vincent Poirier, I think is someone who actually can play a little bit. I think he's actually could be a decent backup center. He just couldn't get off, off the bench in Boston last year. And you, boy, would Boston like to have those Cantor and Poirier salary dumps back now, wouldn't they? They didn't need to do that at all, it turned out. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to uh, the New York Knicks, who did some more moves. These mo- The moves they've been doing are not bad in isolation. It started with a trade of Ed Davis to the Wolves. And we'll talk about the Wolves aspect of that in a second. But they actually got a second in that deal. And they get Amari Spellman and Jacob Evans. Nick still, by the way, all kinds of room, even after all these moves. They still have $19 million in cap space left. Um, so Spellman and Evans. Evans is not going to be a part of their plans. I'm not certain. I'm quite certain, although as a kind of bigger guard who can't really shoot at all, he actually fits right in with the rest of the roster. And Spellman as a stretch option at the five, I think I, they actually should give him a chance. They might need that at some point, but uh, they probably won't. Uh, given certainly given the way that Minnesota saw him, I I still think he can play at an NBA level if he's in shape. We'll see what happened to him after this long time off. You know, we he hasn't been seen since March, obviously. Um, but still a good job. They actually saved a little bit of money and got a second, and that's after they picked up two seconds for just taking Ed Davis into space. So that actually these these transactions, OKC has been doing this too, and Detroit did it with Tony Bradley the money in and then more money on the way out for these guys is pretty good and then what else did the knicks do today they signed austin rivers and austin rivers 10 million over three years though uh, that third year is um do you remember if it's a team option or non-guarantee uh i believe each of the last two years are not guaranteed. Okay. So yeah, which is a surprising structure. Maybe maybe I read that wrong, but we'll find out uh, in a couple days. Yeah. So but but this is another one to me, Danny, where they came into this offseason saying, hey, you know what, we're gonna the plan is to build around RJ Barrett. And at least from a salary cap standpoint, you know, they're they are they have, I think, sixteen guaranteed contracts now, and they have eighteen million in space. They are gonna just bring that into the season. They'll have the ability to make some more moves, no doubt. Hopefully pick up some more assets from salary dumping teams who want to get out of the tax or open up some more room below the hard cap um so i'm fine with the way they've approached it i don't think they've had to like push hard to compete but just again the players that they've got here to me just like i I like the way they've managed the salary cap but i think their evaluations of players and also just their general team building philosophy leaves a lot wanting and it's it's not necessarily that the knicks are going to be bad because they they most certainly will be but they don't they're going to be bad in a way that might be hard to evaluate some of their talent i mean they they didn't really add much in the way of spacing 
especially you know bringing back Alfred Payton who isn't a bad player but you know has has limitations with this group they still have the the big man floor spacing problems that they injured the offseason with those have largely continued the Obi Toppin depending on how much he plays can change it but like yeah so the front court the the four guys they think are going to be the primary at power forward and center Toppin Randall Julius Randall Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel who they signed though like that group there's one guy who can really shoot in that in that foursome and then if they're going to play well nice, and, and and we still haven't seen Obi Toppin even do it yet at the NBA level true either. and I mean Knox is probably I guess he's starting at the three are they moving on from that is that maybe yeah or, or maybe they start RJ at the three and I, I mean to me it's even more we're even worse is the guards I, I mean Randall is still there and he's he obviously is is a black hole in terms of the spacing and in some ways the passing so playing him and RJ together is not great maybe they'll just completely reduce Randall's role I would hope that that would be the way they would go um with him in the last year of his deal although he still does have four million guaranteed for next year as well and but to have your other guards outside of RJ Barrett be Alfred Payton Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith Jr. and Alec Burks that to me is those are just not good compliments to RJ Barrett and I've made the point that I don't think that RJ Barrett is like that great and worth building around but if that is actually your mission to build around him I don't really get it and you know could they maybe get a second rounder for Austin Rivers or get a second rounder for Peyton or Burks at the deadline yeah they might be able to do that there's nobody I think that has the upside like Marcus Morris did for them last year to get them a first necessarily so uh, I kind of understand that I mean I think it's good that they're going to be bad this year that's very clear you know probably the most important thing that they can do is get in the top of this supposedly awesome 2021 draft but I still just wish they had a little more shooting in the backcourt and fewer guys more importantly even fewer guys who need the ball yeah I think that's a, a very good way of thinking about it and we'll be a challenge for the Knicks moving forward and and hopefully they'll be better uh did we mention that Theo Pinson signing a two-way with them we just did okay that is that is now mentioned quick cleanup in Washington Fred Katz reporting there is a partial guarantee on the final year of Davis Bertans five-year 80 million dollar deal uh and that will guarantee if he plays in 75 percent of games during year four uh otherwise he's only guaranteed five years of what I project to be five million I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Five five million of the fifth year of what I project to be eighteen million. Yeah, and so that that cuts out some of the risk, especially with Berton's injury history uh, of of some of the downside risk there. And so five years, eighty million. Maybe it looks more like five years. 68 or something like that depending on how you want to see it and also robin lopez 7.3 million that's about what we expected when you consider some of the other other moves that they made oh is that what it ended up as 7.3 7.3 is what katz is reporting uh san antonio i know you have thoughts on at least one of these uh looks like they've filled their two-way spots quindary witherspoon is getting one and Kata bates diop is getting the other even though Kata bates diop has not cleared waivers yet he apparently has has the intention of signing a two-way with the spurs if and when he clears waivers yeah and don't forget the two-way rules this year you're guaranteed almost 500k which is nice in practice a lot of these two-way guys spend enough time with the big team to get that 500k anyway but i thought this was yet another one of these missed opportunities for two-way guys who look pretty good quindary witherspoon they just gave him that qualifying offer of a two-way and now he's going to be back 
on a two-way I thought he he really showed something defensively and in transition in the bubble I like there definitely are worse guys on rosters to me than him and so I think a team should at least have might as well go ahead and give the guy an offer of, of a NBA contract now who knows what the hell is going on with two ways in many of these situations I'm sure there's a lot of kind of arrangements of do a two-way this year and then we'll bring you up next year like that's what just happened with bowl bowl it seems like in Denver despite the fact that he was technically on a two-year two-way so but I still feel like the league is missing opportunities with us I agree um I I forgot that we were originally going to transition from the Knicks to Minnesota because of the Ed Davis trade and thank you this is a lot harder to defend from Minnesota's perspective mostly because Ed Davis was terrible last year and maybe that was injuries or something else but to sacrifice a second round pick to clear a little bit of money and get and basically choose him as your backup center is a decision I don't agree with yeah you would have hoped that they could have maybe found someone better to fill that role and now Davis I mean, we thought he was a great signing in Utah. As it turned out, number one, it didn't. He didn't fit well into their system. Then he had that fracture in his leg, and he had lost his job to Tony Bradley by the time he got back. So I don't mind taking a chance on potentially rehabilitating him, but I also wouldn't want to be counting on him at backup center. They do have Nas Reed, who is a, a stretch big, who showed a little bit last year. So they're not totally barren, but it'd be nice to have a veteran option there. And then they did re-sign Juancho Hernan Gomez for basically the exact amount per year that we did in the mock-off season when the Knicks were uh giving gave him an offer sheet that uh caused you to blanch right at the end which was uh f- filled me with glee uh, as the player agent that ended up being seven or, or uh t- four years 28 million this one is in the absence of an offer sheet you end up usually getting less this one is three years 21 million but the final year is non-guaranteed uh or or a team option we don't we don't know which i think uh team option was the report but sometimes that that ends up being incorrect so it looks like Wancho is just gonna be their starting four here and it's just they've got carl towns and they've got hernan gomez they don't really have anyone on this roster who's a pure three jake layman i guess could be in the mix to start at the four as well he missed all all of last year basically with that toe injury so and then ed davis is the backup and Nas Reed, it's like they've done so much here the wolves and they got ricky rubio in the backcourt and but when you look at their front court all of a sudden he seems like you know quite the luxury at 17 million like they still are as they have been since time immemorial like really thin at the three and the four positions yeah and i think that's going to be a big problem for minnesota because those are yeah. the hardest spots to find value on the margins well and wouldn't you rather I, I know they already had the gr3 experiment but he's a different player since then we'll see what he ends up getting he's one of the few free agents that's left out there now but rather than make this trade for ed davis they still have the full mid-level but they're pretty close to the tax now they only got about three million below the tax at this point they've got 14 players but I think I would have rather, you know, throw $5 million at GR3. It sounds like he's not going to get that much just to get another option who can actually guard at the three. And so I'm just, I'm just fascinated to see who's going to be their starting three. Like I, my best guess right is to be Anthony Edwards, either Edwards or, uh, or Culver. Yeah, I mean, possibly, yeah, Edwards and Beasley. Yeah, so you're thinking if it's Beasley that Edwards is the three. That's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, but and they, they may be thinking of Jarrett Culver as a three, which I don't. I think he's a little too small. I agree. Um, Milwaukee had a brutal Saturday, but they had a pretty pretty good Sunday. I mean, calibrating by expectations. So they, they added Bryn Forbes on a two-year deal, basically the rest of their mid-level, which is more than the minimum, but not dramatically more. And he has a player option in that second year. Good shooter, p- 
uh, actually was a frequent starter for San Antonio, especially this last year. I think having him in the rotation is totally fine. I don't love Forbes as a playoff player, but he's basically making the minimum. That's not as big a deal, even though I do think uh, Seth and I talked a lot about the playoff prism. I think that that he's he's not great in that context. And then they also added Torrey Craig. And Torrey Craig, who, remember, was thrown into unrestricted free agency by the Denver Nuggets, choosing Conchar and a few other guys over him. It I'm guessing that's one year at the minimum. I don't know if we have that for sure yet. And Craig, totally capable player. I think that he could end up, you know, especially if he plays well, could end up looming looming large for them. But there's kind of the same problem that other teams have run into, which is if you're relying a lot on Torrey Craig, that might be a little bit of a problem. Yeah, and so the Bucks backups now, and this is a, a decent recovery, they are going to have more reliable shooting with DJ Augustin, with Bryn Forbes, not two guys you probably want to play together defensively. Like the, their bench defense all of a sudden is terrible with Bobby Portis is basically the only big and dj wilson he, he he and dj wilson are your backup bigs neither of those guys can really protect the rim and then and bobby portis can't move then you know their backup small forward is pat Connaughton. he's a uh, okay defensively and then you've got forbes and augustine and and both those guys are really small and so they really to me even divincenzo as a starter at the two there's questions about him being good enough in the playoffs so you kind of really have four playoff tested players on this team right now and they can do one more vet minimum because Jordan Noir, their 45th overall pick, uh, will surely be in there and they need him to save some money. If they wanted to sign Sam Merrill, who they traded for in that New Orleans trade as the 60th overall pick, they could save a little bit more scratch there as well. He's usually the 60th pick is destined for a two-way though. I think he's getting a full contract. Yeah, I mean, it's they may have to do that. Uh, well, no, I, I don't think they will because if they, yeah, because if they sign him, then they couldn't fit in another veterans minimum they can actually fit in one more veterans like full veterans minimum right now than be about a hundred and seventy thousand dollars below the hard cap which is not where you want to be starting the season but they could still move dj wilson that that might be an option that again they don't have exactly a ton of assets here but um it seems like this is what they're doing going into the season they're gonna be very very thin on the bench the memphis grizzlies basically finished off their offseason it appears they uh re-signed Jonte Porter. Remember that structure? Hollinger nailed this from the very, very beginning. They gave Porter, it was a team option that he signed at the very end of last year, or pretty close to the end of last year. He did a team option and then gave him a longer, co- and the reason they did that was to give Porter a longer contract than they could have back before, but what, during last season. Three years, $6 million, and we'll see We'll see how that works. And so why I say the Grizzlies are done is because that puts them technically at 16 players, but they could easily cut Mario Hazonia and be down to 15. Maybe they and then they're probably going to cut somebody else to get down to, to 14 and then sign Xavier Tillman yeah that someone likely being Marco Guterich I just thought this was interesting with the max extensions that have gone out De'Aaron Fox from 2017 Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell Woj after tweeting that out tweeted that Bam Adebayo of course is a deserving max extension candidate as well and Woj never tweets something unless there's a purpose to it and my guess is that the purpose to this 
was that his uh Adebayo's agent wanted to make sure that that was out there and that's we've seen this before where yes it makes a ton of sense everyone knows why bam Adebayo hasn't gotten an extension but when you have the possibility of locking in 160 million guaranteed and your team makes you wait for it that doesn't feel very good and we'll see if Miami can make it up to him he clearly is not going to get that extension so just the fact that that was put out there is an indication that there might be a slight bit of unhappiness in Autobio's camp so uh probably ends up being nothing but worth noting the legends are true With overwhelming power the sauce of destiny yes the most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. We talked about it a little bit in the first segment, but let's go through the transactions that the, that led the Lakers to Marcus Gasol. They traded JaVale McGee to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Cavs do have a trade exception, but they do not have a trade exception big enough for JaVale McGee, so they had to make the trade legal, which invent, and ended up going for Alfonso McKinney and Jordan Bell. And the challenge there was both of those players were previously non-guaranteed, so they actually had to do uh, significant guarantees for McKinney and Bell and then and then they did the trade for McGee but that cleared enough space under the hard cap where the big difference is that allowed them to sign Marcus Ole to a two-year contract with a player option for that second year but still at the minimum and I am I I, I think I have a lot of thoughts on on Marcus Ole to the Lakers I think that his passing you know the 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 kind of hot high top of the key passing could be a really nice fit in some ways especially in the minutes that LeBron doesn't play that you have another guy who can distribute and so you run you kind of fly around also a very reliable rim protector not the most mobile at this point in his career and Gasol can shoot a set shot three most of the time it's been shaky at moments in the recent past but his intelligence, his defensive, you know, defensive ability to protect the rim, to do the basic stuff, I think is really valuable. But the part of this that I've been thinking about a lot of today is it was looking more like Gasol would go there. And I had talked I talked about the idea, you know, I think we talked about this on the pod yesterday, of Gasol potentially choosing them over the Raptors just because the Lakers have more to play for. Being in Tampa, at least for the start of the season, doesn't sound as appealing necessarily. And the Raptors, you know, they aren't as good as the Lakers, is how much Montrez Harrell feels about this. So Montrez Harrell leaves the Clippers, you know, a reliable spot on on a different championship caliber team in the same city, gets a reasonable sum. You know, he's getting the non-taxpayer mid-level for a year with a player option for the second. But Harrell now is in a very different frontcourt rotation than we expected, where not only is there the idea that you and I have both posited that the Lakers are best off with Anthony Davis at center and LeBron at the four. It's, it's arguable, but I don't think it's super duper arguable. But now, even though Gasol is making dramatically less than Montrezl Harrell, bring in somebody who has a serious track record, who was a starting center on an NBA champion in 20 
2019, so very recently. And so I wonder, because remember, a part of the concept for Harold was that this this was kind of an audition year, and maybe they're not going to get a big payday in 2021, and maybe Gasol plays so little in the regular season that Harold still gets that shine and that everything comes from it. But it's a challenge, and I wonder how he's gonna how he's gonna feel about this going from being like the the new front court jewel to being a smaller cog in a still big machine. Yeah, I, I would have liked this move a lot more if they didn't get Harold. And it is going to be harder to play Anthony Davis at center. It was much easier to do that when you had JaVale McGee and a minimum salary Dwight Howard than two guys with the profile of Gasol and Harrell. But one place that this does really work exceedingly well is Mark Gasol to guard Nikola Jokic in the playoffs. Yes. Mark Gasol is the best post defender in the NBA. Now, if Jokic shoots the ball the way that he did in last year's playoffs from three, that could be a, a potential angle of attack as well. But if you're, I was concerned with Harrell in that potential Nuggets matchup. So getting Gasol in there, I think really helps. And obviously his passing really helps. He gets to hang out in LA with his brother and their newborn. Uh, apparently uh, that's where uh, Pau Gasol is living these days as well. And so I do think this is a lot of ammo at center, but hey, I mean, this is a one plus one for the minimum. Like You, you can't complain about that signing. And I think it's just, it's going to be a little tough with Montrose Harrell trying to prove his value, being a clutch client and you know mark isn't necessarily like the easiest guy to get along with if he's not going to play either so i'm uh we'll see how this all works out it's good talent to get they still do have west matthews for danny green they've got schroeder as well i think schroeder and harrell will do a lot in the second unit and another nice thing about these signing too is you can now just like rest lebron or anthony davis much more easily yes for games like last year if they rested lebron they just weren't going to win but i think now with schroeder you can start Schroeder in games that LeBron doesn't play. You could start Gasol and LeBron at the four in games that Anthony Davis doesn't play. And then you still have, have plenty of time for Montrose Harrell to eat as well. So they, they are going to have more depth in the regular season. They've got the matchup against Jokic, which I think is probably the biggest aspect of this to me. And so good signing, obviously. You can't c- complain about it, even if it's not just the absolute perfect fit. And the the to me, the more impactful of the two former Raptors bigs going to LA is Serge Ibaka to the Clippers. And I talked about it in the, in the front end, but I think it's worth repeating that while Ibaka is far from a perfect player, especially at this point in his career, having somebody who simultaneously is a capable defensive big man who also spaces the floor, I think is going to be a huge benefit for the Clippers because their, their offense is going to sing more and they won't have to suffer defensively. Yeah, I think the Clippers now, even with the departure of Jamal. Michael Green are probably better than they were a year ago, at least in terms of their personnel. We'll see, you know, Morris and Leonard and George all being a year older and Lou Williams is not great, but you got to feel pretty happy about getting Ibaka. That really saved their season. And again, another uh, for a team that has to match up with Denver and has to match up with LA, you'd feel pretty good about getting Serge Ibaka. Ibaka is not an unbelievable post defender, but he is mobile and he does protect the rim and give them some athleticism. So 
probably in my mind at least as far as the playoffs was concerned the best big that was realistically on the market i mean let me confirm that that's actually true yeah he was at the top of my free agent rankings for big so to get the best possible free agent center a two-way guy and not only a two-way guy but also someone who can space the floor ibaka is not a perfect player with he doesn't help their problem of not having enough passing but this is this is a coup for the clippers in indiana jakar sampson will be returning on a one year that's now a fully guaranteed minimum contract and good to see samson establish his career after all the crap he had to go through being with the process sixers and the kings and he actually was a uh, played some backup center for this team which he won't have to do as of now because miles turner and demonis sabonis are, are still on this team but with sabonis injured he played that a little bit more and then the pacers opening up some breathing space as we assumed would be the avenue for that with tj leaf and a second rounder going to guess where Oklahoma City hey I forgot to mention TJ Leaf among Oklahoma City's myriad power forward options um and the return is Jalen LeCue who I think maybe they have some interest in between LeCue and Cassius Stanley their second round pick they've got some athletic jumping chaps uh, on the wing who can't shoot Stanley you would think is probably headed for a two-way but they could always bring him onto an NBA contract and he'll count for less uh, against the tax and the hard cap but Indiana likely done here their big move was bringing back justin holly they're basically gonna have the the exact same team they had last year for all intents and purposes at least as of now a team that we're guessing will not have a well we know part of it will not have exactly the same team as last year is the houston rockets they signed sterling brown which i like you know totally to, a, a guy that i think is worth taking a flyer on and uh jason jason tate is actually getting it's a from what i saw a three-year contract worth a little bit more than the minimum and they don't have a the, the rockets don't have a ton of flexibility but i'm guessing they use some of it on him yeah it's hollinger that had that earlier in the day and tate played at or at ohio state and then was he's been on the kidney the sydney kings in the nba so they used a part of the, te- the the NTMLE to make it happen. Yeah, and maybe they would have liked to have brought back Austin Rivers, but with only $921,000 below the tax they may not have thought they could do that now they still even if they signed Kenyon martin jr their 52nd overall pick to the rookie minimum they still only have 11 guys so they will start in the tax here and i'm projecting obviously that uh and actually no i, I misspoke they have 12 guys with chris clemens so they still have two more slots to fill i imagine that tate will start at the rookie minimum but he will count at the veterans minimum because he's not a second round draft pick for tax and hard cap calculations the warriors are bringing back kent baysmore a very different player now than he was back then when they traded him for steve blake and baysmore can be a part of the the perimeter rotation i don't think he's going to make major waves with the team but i think he'll he'll get second unit minutes and add to their depth and having him at the minimum totally fine with it yeah absolutely and it's crazy to think that kent baysmore probably still most associated with the warriors despite the fact he played little when he was here just due to his relationship with steph curry and the whole under Armour thing where he introduced Steph to Under Armour the fact that he's never played for Steve Kerr he got traded halfway through Mark Jackson's final year but Baysmore certainly at the minimum he played well actually in Sacramento was miserable in Portland before that um and then Denver with some uh an interesting slate of moves here yeah so they we had talked about the roster crunch and Mike Singer had that work for the for the Denver Post and they've kind of clarified that and I think this was from Singer originally too that they're they are waving Kate Bates job which we just talked about and they're signing Isaiah Hartenstein in as as they're kind of like that idea of a mobile big 
Hartenstein, who cleared, who was on a non-guaranteed contract for the coming season, but was waived by the Rockets and cleared waivers a while ago. I, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I don't think that he he moves the needle much. And so for me, getting, yeah, I guess maybe they want another big, but like Tory Craig is far better, and he signed for the minimum. So it's not it's not like there was some big deal that oh you're just kind of protecting it and doing a solid doing him a solid. Like you could have kept Tory Craig, used the restricted free agent process, and then the other notable thing for Denver is that they that the deal with with Detroit for Jeremy Grant was structured as a sign and trade. And so that actually makes Grant base your compensation, but it does create a $9.5 million trade exception. Yeah, Grant is your base year compensation when you get over a 120% raise using bird rights. And so that trade exception should be about and the And the team million. didn't sign you with cap space. That's the, the other. Yes, yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. If your team is over the cap, which the Nuggets certainly are. And I'll second what you said about not using the restricted free agent process on Torrey Craig. And even if they thought that they weren't going to need him and they were going to re-sign Grant, why not just keep Craig on until you know that that's a, a certainty dallas bringing back willie collie stein who opted out of the bubble he didn't play as much as expected after the trade deadline he seemed like a really nice fit there because of his rim running and transition skills with Kristaps Porzingis or Moxie Kleba shooting next to him and we still always talk about how it'd be great to see him in a switching system we're probably not going to see that in Dallas either but this is this is one of those ones where they kind of needed another center particularly with Porzingis going to be on the shelf to start the season and they wanted to bring him back this also could have been one of these when they traded for him agreements he'll the team option next year of course uh unlikely to be picked up as they are fixing to have that salary cap space but Kali Stein getting more, I mean, it is kind of ironic, isn't it, Danny, that Kali Stein got slightly more than minimum last year after having had a pretty decent year in Sacramento, yeah. who overachieved. Then he had a miserable year last year, and he ends up actually getting paid more. Yeah, there could be parallels with this and Rodney Hood, where both players got opted out of deals that surprised us and then got paid more by the same team, where there was, let's call it an understanding beforehand. And so, how ironic that the Charlotte Hornets have re signed Bismack Biombo no terms that I saw I would assume it's at the minimum they've given him they enough money already they have actually a little already. more cap space what <laughs> they've given Biombo enough money already oh well no actually that wasn't them that was the Orlando Magic I know remember? but they've paid him but 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 as I was alluding to however yeah I mean to draft him he actually got drafted seventh overall in 2011 and Kemba Walker was ninth he got drafted before Kemba Walker by the same team then three years later they declined to give him a qualifying offer after he'd actually had an okay year finally in his fourth year he leaves for toronto has one good year in toronto right before the halcyon summer of 2016 gets paid 72 million from the orlando magic and then ends up being reacquired by charlotte for timofey mozgov and now in all hilarity they are signing him again this is the third time now that they have acquired biznak biamba and but they he's a wasn't like so terrible for him i think he deserves to be in the nba uh and they needed something at backup center if they're trying to win this year i I would like a better option at backup center but 
for the minimum, sure, bring it back. And it is wild that after having 20 million in space and me trying to get them Christian Wood forever feels like in my heart that there it looks like their center rotation for the 2020/21 season is going to be Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo. Well, dude, I mean they've got like 10 million in space. If they could have just what if they could have just picked up Christian Wood and Gordon Hayward? Then like you actually might be cooking with gas a little bit, but obviously they didn't do that and and that's probably enough speculation here. This is uh, I think probably our plan right now as long as nothing major happens tomorrow we'll probably actually take tomorrow off because it's oh, been what we, we actually like, have a couple more quick deals to do oh do we great yes okay well that happened as we're recording no it? um we just we, they're just deep in the sheet um harry giles <laughs> one year minimum with the portland trailblazers i'm surprised he couldn't get more i mean it seemed like giles was well liked to me he has in, he has an injury rap sheet that is pretty remarkable but he's also talented and young so I, i'm surprised that one year on a team that has a loaded front court already that that was but maybe he wanted to play there whatever whatever maybe the offers just weren't there and then phoenix i would say each one more is is another really nice move you know capable veteran can add depth to the rotation didn't have to pay him a lot of money and then they also signed damian jones i think everyone knows what we think of that it's time to end the show and as i was saying it's been quite the marathon for us unless something major happens tomorrow we'll probably take tomorrow off i think and then we'll be back on tuesday and you know we'll hit all continue to hit all these things i guess we should still do uh some best available here too yeah let, let people know well, who's still out yeah there. so very briefly the teams that have still have cap space atlanta only has four million left because um the bodanovich offer sheet is there they would reopen about 20 if that happens charlotte has about 10 um and then the Knicks still have about 18 and the Thunder, depending on how they structure right now, they're functioning, it seems like, as an over-the-cap team. But they could theoretically create about 18 million space. Yeah, and then in terms of exceptions... Boston still has their BAE. Brooklyn still has their mini mid-level, but probably no one who's worth spending the tax dollars on at this point. They may try and save that for the buyout market. Charlotte has that money you mentioned and also their room exception. The Bulls have about $4 million left of their MLE and their BAE. Cleveland has their MLE and their BAE. Dallas is pretty much done. They don't have their BAE because they used it on Boban last year. Denver still has their BAE if they want to use it, but they're roster is full detroit they still have the room exception i think they do right? i don't think we know exactly what josh jackson got but it might but they might still have their room oh yeah maybe maybe it's gonna be more than that that's the point um golden state has both the mini mid-level and they applied for that disabled player exception, which will be one year, 9.3 million. They can't use that for more than a one-year contract, but they've still got some decent spending power if they need to get on the buyout market. That could be uh, very, very useful, although again, the tax consequences are major. Houston is very, very unlikely to use either of their MLE or BAE after they did the Christian Wood sign-in trade. Indiana has their BAE and a, and a little bit of their MLE, but again, they're not going to use it. They're pretty much done the clippers do technically have their bae still although they're rapidly approaching the hard cap and probably can't use it but could maybe be used in the buyout market if they lose some money memphis has their mle and their bae but they're probably done in terms of roster miami is either has part of their mle or their bae depending on how they choose to classify mo harkless minnesota mle and bae but they are quite close to the tax 
New Orleans, MLE and BAE, but they are quite close to the tax. New York is out of exceptions, but they have the 18 million in cap space. Oklahoma City has 14 million in cap space or their MLE or BAE, depending on whether they want to stay over the cap or not. They likely will just stay over the cap, I would imagine. Philly has the tax pyramid level. Phoenix has their BAE still. Portland has their BAE still, but these teams are, you know, pretty much, I, most of these teams I'm thinking are pretty much done. Sacramento, we'll see. They might get a little more active once the Bogdanovich situation resolves itself, but they basically have the, their MLE and their BAE as well. Spurs also do, but they're pretty close to the tax and no roster space. Toronto, their MLE is pretty much done. They should still have their BAE though. Utah has their BAE, but they are have a full roster and they're in the tax already. And Washington also has their BAE, but not a ton of room below the tax either. So what about the actual players that they could spend this money on? Not many left. Um, so Wait, hold on, hold on. Who would you consider the best free agent remaining right now? Well, let's exclude AD and Ingram. Yeah, yeah. And New Orleans, by the way, that them being close to the tax assumes that Ingram- Ingram gets his full max, max. yeah. Yeah. And I've, on all these Lakers calculations, assume that AD gets the full max too. Yes. I would go with Glenn Robinson the third. I mean, you could argue uh, Hassan Whiteside, I, I think John Hollinger's model would have him as the top guy. Um, but I, I think Robinson can play a, a more a more valuable role on a good team. Could make an argument for Sharich. You could make an argument for Langston Galway, who I do like quite a yeah. bit. Yeah, Sharich, of course, is restricted yes. though. So that that's a little different. And, and, um, and ouch, by the way, like that's going to be, when you think back also to the member, he came over over a year earlier if he had waited another year he had promised i guess the sixers that he would come in too he could have gotten a lot more instead of rookie scale and then now he hits free agency at exactly the wrong time so yeah let's let's just go through it here at center 31 year old hassan whiteside demarcus cousins is still out there for a team that maybe needs scoring i wouldn't mind cousins uh getting a look in charlotte actually taj gibson at age 35 alex len john henson Dwayne deadman once he clears waivers are probably yeah, deadman's my top guy there yeah i should probably move him up actually i put him at the bottom of the sheet because he just got thrown on there after getting weight but uh yeah he deserves to be higher then what about a power forward a power forward charge is restricted markeith morris jared dudley ronda hollis jefferson Arison Ilyasova at the three the aforementioned glenn robinson the third wilson chandler lots of lots of like players that aren't really there anymore um nick batum is interesting i would at least try to see if batum has anything left i think he was just kind of playing out the string in charlotte he could be energized by that rotation yeah then at the two langston galloway wayne ellington damian dotson kyle corver at point guard i mean that thinned out really quickly shabazz napier reggie jackson tyler johnson shaq harrison and yeah although the latter two are arguably not really point guard yeah but i they not that they aren't point guards on our sheet but they because they guard the point guard but they're you know if you're looking for a backup ball handler those wouldn't be your guy necessarily it was more the point i was trying to make are we done yes at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 